Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings 4, we're going to be in verses 29 to 37 today. And the title is, It's a Win-Win, Our Victory in Jesus Christ. It's a win-win, our victory in Jesus Christ. And starting us off, I have a little bit more show and tell today. And these are based on some trips that I've taken over the years, mission trips and all. I was in the Dominican Republic and I brought home a machete from the Dominican Republic. This was obviously pre-9-11. I was able to bring this on the plane. I also, let's see, Philippines, uh, Philippines, I have a, a rock from Corregidor with a bullet from the Corregidor. World War II fans know what I'm talking about. And also, Ed Humphreys gave me a sword from the Philippines. I have lots of swords. Over the, In time, you'll see all my swords at one time or another. But he gave me this really cool sword. This is actually used in battle from the Philippines. Uh, love that one. Yeah, so that's also from the Philippines. I also have this. Can you guess where I was? Egypt, that's right, Egypt, uh, the pyramid from the Egypt, from Egypt, and oh, from India, from India, my boys from the India gave this to me many years ago as a beautiful carved elephant, and I also have, I also went to Israel, and I have nothing to show. I did have a really nice rock. Uh, from the Temple Mount, <laughs> I saw this cool rock. It looked like it was building material rock, really cool rock. So I picked it up, brought it home. That's right, I bring rocks from everywhere. And uh, had it on the mantle, but somehow it disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. Um, it, it disappeared. It could have, it could have, it, it, it I'm not blaming Kim or anything. I'm not blaming Kim or anything, Kim. Uh, but the that's right. It could have actually been a piece of the the temple. It, you, she didn't. She claimed she didn't. But someone threw away a piece of history. That could have actually been a piece of history that was thrown around. It could have thrown away. It could have been trod on by King Nebuchadnezzar or King David or Jesus himself. But anywho, I have nothing to show from Israel. But that's kind of appropriate based on what we're doing today. It reminds me of something that happened when I was in Israel. The tour guide was asking us one day, where do you guys want to go? What do you want to do tomorrow? And we all like, we want to go see the tomb of Jesus. There's several possible tombs. We want to see the tomb of Jesus. We want to see it. And, and he was a real funny guy. And, and we were jabbing back and forth all the time about Christianity and Judaism. And he was very, you know, he was, he was, he was a great guy, super tour guy, tour guide. But he, he's, he, we said, we want to go to see the tomb. He says, why do you want to go there for? There, there's nothing to see. And there's a little truth in every jest. He was taking a jab, you know. And I'll never forget our senior pastor. I was a youth pastor at that time. Our senior pastor jumped right in and said right away, that's right, there's nothing there. The tomb is empty. That's the whole point. And for the first time, our tour guide didn't have anything to say because it really hit him. The tomb is empty. That's the whole point. The whole point. The life of Elisha today. We're looking at the life of Elisha and we're going to find a prophetic picture of this very thing. We're going to find a prophetic picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for us. Now, quick review. We were talking last week, the beginning of this chapter, on how to survive life's gut punches. And if you didn't hear that one, you can go on the YouTube or our iTunes or our podcast site, www.newhopechurch.com. 
pa.org. You can go on that. But we talked about how to survive life's gut punches. And we talked about surrendering to God's purpose and bringing our, our pain and our struggle to the feet of Jesus and to the cross. And I talked about my dad, and my dad and I were talking about this because he, we had, I didn't tell him I was going to tell the story of the hay bale. And he's like, I can't believe you even remember that. Well, how could I forget it? And we were talking about it. And he said, yeah, 20 years later, I was kicked by a cow in the stomach. And they thought it might have hit my spleen. So they, uh, they took, they made me go to the doctor this time. And they did an x-ray and found out it just missed the spleen. But the technician did say, I can see six to eight broken ribs, ribs that were broken some time ago. My estimate based, estimate based on the, the scarring and the tissue and all that, I would say about 20 years ago. Do you remember breaking ribs about 20 years ago? And my dad said, do I remember? All right, so uh, interesting rest of the story with that. But surviving life's gut punches. We also saw how the Shunammite's miraculous son who died was also a picture of Jesus Christ. He, he was a miracle boy. And then he dies, and that was a picture of Jesus' birth and, and death, which happened on Good Friday. And today we're going to see how her only son who died only, not only fulfilled the birth and the death miracle, but also fulfills the rest of Jesus' prophetic picture, the rest of the prophetic picture. And because of that, we will see how we can not only survive a gut punch, but because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we can not only survive it, but we can thrive. We can get back up again and win. We can live in victory. We can win-win. Just like Rocky, get back up again. We can do that very thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for raising him from the dead. We just pray that that resurrection power be a reality in our life today because of this Resurrection Sunday. I pray if anybody here doesn't know Jesus, they would put their faith in Him today. They would be, give their life to Him today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up with 2 Kings 4, 29-37. So 2 Kings 4, we'll pick it up with verse 29. Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. If you meet anyone, do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the little child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got up on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed down to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Okay, so Elisha sends Gehazi 
to run on ahead. Gehazi's a lot younger. He can go a lot faster. He sends him on to run ahead. It was about 18 miles from where the Shunammite lived to Mount Carmel. It was about 18 miles as the crow flies with the winding roads and the difficult mountains and all. It was much, much farther. More like a marathon. Very, very tough travel. So they sent him on ahead. I'm sure he was concerned because the boy has been dead for some time now. Decay will start to set in. Uh, the dad has probably found the body by now. <laughs> Remember, she didn't tell her husband husband, but Gehazi runs on ahead. He gets there before them, but he was not able to raise the boy back to life. Even with Elisha's staff, he had no resurrection power. Why? Well, we're going to see Gehazi later in the life of Elisha, and we're going to see his true character is exposed. He was false. He was a false prophet, a picture of the false prophets in the Old Testament, which is a picture of the false teachers in the New Testament. These, these false teachers use the Bible, but they misuse it. They misuse it on their followers. We see these guys all over the place, all over the country, a lot of churches, a lot of TV shows. Even though they claim to have spiritual authority, they have no resurrection power. They have no resurrection power. And, but I believe there's another reason why Gehazi could not raise this boy. Why he wasn't raised to life by Gehazi. And that is, I believe it wasn't time yet. Because this is a picture, this boy is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Miracle birth, died, and now his resurrection. It's a picture. But it, he, he wasn't, it wasn't time yet. I believe it wasn't time yet. He died in the afternoon on, on day one. Let's just follow this. He dies in the afternoon of day one. She gets to Elisha probably early on day two. Gehazi runs right back again that day. It was still day two. Whereas the mom and Elisha probably didn't get there till very early on day three. Day three. And that's when the boy was resurrected. I believe that he couldn't resurrect him because this is a type, a picture of the resurrection. I know it's definitely a type picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but I even believe the three days and three nights, I, just as Jesus died in the afternoon on Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, very early in the morning, he was resurrected. I believe it's the same thing because just, just do the math and the distance. They, they had, Day number one, she had to travel much of it in the darkness. It's very, very difficult traveling in the dark, much of it through these mountainous roads and, and very tricky going along drop-offs on the mountains. Very slow going, very, very tricky going. I don't know if you've ever traveled at night, hiked at night. It's scary. I remember when I was, maybe I was about 14 or 15, I'm trying to remember the age, but I was at my friend Tommy's house, and I was at Tom's house, and he lived the next town over about five miles from our house, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, and we decided we're just going to go out and goof around, took a little pitiful flashlight with us, and we went out, and we started walking out through a field, and one thing leads to another, and we just kept going. We just kind of disappeared. We just kept hiking, and we hiked all night in the dark. And it was crazy. First time we had ever gone in the dark like that. I remember one time we saw these eyes looking at us in the night, and we were like, it was scary. We could see all these glaring eyes, and turn, turned on the flashlight, looked, and we were in the middle of a like a little garbage junkyard in the middle of the woods, we didn't even know it was there. We didn't even know where we were. But there's all these cars and old vehicles, and, and, and it looked like 
eyes looking at us until we turned on the lights. It was spooky. Then as we were walking, all of a sudden we heard this you know, loud barking. We had gotten too close to somebody's barn. We didn't know it was pitch black. Somebody's barn and the dog was on a chain and came ripping out, you know, trying to get us. We, we, we ran. I remember how scared we were. We saw a glowing bonfire and we ended up, we followed the, the light to the fire and uh, Tom and I did and we get there and it was right on Lake Ontario, right on the rocky beach there. Somebody had a bonfire and it's two in the morning and they just left it burning. Uh, uh, and, and so we, we, that was really spooky. And, and then we started heading back toward my, our farm. And this was all night long, pitch black. And it was just getting light. And we heard this, this spinning, spinning, spinning. And we got closer. We saw this, this truck was stuck trying to get into their driveway. And two wheels were on the driveway and two wheels were in the, the ditch. And he, and he was just spinning and spinning. And I knocked on the window and I recognized the guy. And he was drunk, drunk as a skunk. And uh, I said, you better just go on in and get a tractor in the morning, get yourself out. Okay, he staggered in. Uh, so all this happened, we finally, early in the morning, about the same time my dad was getting up to do the cow milking, uh, milk the cows, we staggered into the house and and it was all night long. And my, my, I remember my dad said, where you guys been? Tom's parents were calling, you know, they, you know, uh, Gordy and Joan were looking for you guys last night. And we, we said, don't worry, you know those guys, they're probably getting into trouble somewhere. And so, but we were out all night and we figured out later, we mapped it out. We figured out we had actually hiked 12 miles that night, 12 miles in the pitch black, dark with this little tiny flashlight. And it took us all night. That's the kind of journey that they had taken. It, it, this was slow going, going 25 miles probably is the distance with all the winding roads. It had to take them a long time. And then well, they get there on day one, but then it's nighttime and they, they're not just going to get back on the donkey and rush back in the middle of the night. They probably stop to rest a little bit. And, and just like the cowboy movies, you see these cowboy movies at night, they're tracking, the posse's tracking somebody and they stop and they say, we'll eat some grub and get a little shut eye. And they stop, well, two hours or three hours and that's all you're going to get. And they, they take that little bit of rest. I'm sure they had to do that with Elisha being older and this woman uh, on the donkey needed rest. So I really believe that it probably took them, they had to eat also, but I really believe that it probably took them that, that, that the first day, throughout the next one, and they probably got back very early in the morning on the third day. I really believe that. But either way, no matter what, it's still a type of Jesus Christ. So you, you connect the dots. Jesus Christ resurrected on the third day, and the first person that sees him alive is a woman, Mary Magdalene. First one that sees this boy alive is his mom. And so we, we see he, they arrive, and I believe on the third day, they find this dead boy and this huge challenge of faith to both Elisha and to the mom. The only time in human history that a, a person, a dead person had been brought back to life, it had only happened once before in all of human history. Do you remember when that was? The life of Elijah. Now we looked at the life of Elijah and the widow's son, the widow's son in Zarephath, 1 Kings 17, when we studied the life of Elijah, we saw that. And now it happens here for the second time in all of human history. That's why it took so much faith. It was crazy. Uh, but I'm sure that the mom had heard about the, the miracle that Elijah had done. I'm sure she had heard about it. That's probably what gave her the faith to even send for Elisha and hope hope that it could happen again this time. And these two women are mentioned in the Hall of Faith. It took a lot of faith. 
Hebrews 11.35, women received back their dead, raised to life again. These two women are in the hall of faith because of the faith that they had that God could raise their child back to life again. We know that Elisha knew the story well. He was following Elijah all over the place. He was his mentored by Elijah. We know he knew the story very well, which is why he does exactly what Elijah did. Elijah stretched himself out on that child, remember? And he does the same thing. Elisha stretches himself out on the child, eye to eye, mouth to mouth. Uh, it wasn't mouth to mouth resuscitation. It was something different. Now remember, Elijah was a type of Jesus Christ. We talked about how he was a type of Jesus Christ. And in order to resurrect the first boy, he stretched himself on. We talked about these stretched himself out on. He completely identified with that dead boy. And we talked about how he's a picture of Jesus. And that's what Jesus said. He completely identified with us. He made, he came down from heaven and made, and was born in human flesh. The God man born in human flesh. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. He touched, he, he, remember when Jesus went to uh, heal the leper? He touched the leper. He would, he would, touch what he wasn't supposed to touch, dead dead body, lepers. Elijah touched, laid himself on that dead body, which made him unclean. Unclean. It wasn't allowed. He made himself unclean. And that's what Jesus did. He made himself unclean. He took our sin, our shame on himself. That's what he did for us. He took our sin and then he died for us. Just as this boy died, he died for us in our place so that to give us life so that we could be resurrected again. So that we could be resurrected spiritually and physically. Now, having said that about Elijah, Elisha is a little bit different. Elijah is a type of Jesus Christ, but Elisha is a picture of the apostles and us by extension, the apostles. And this represents a very t- different type of resurrection. Different type. Not paying for the sins like Elijah Jesus paid for our sins, but as a representative of Jesus Christ, it shows how we're to help others find new life in Jesus through salvation and sanctification. It shows that we must completely identify with others, put ourselves on the same level because we are there, and to intercede, intercession. We must persevere in our intercession and prayer, praying for their salvation and to pray for people's breaking of strongholds after they become a Christian. Breaking of strongholds. Notice, this boy didn't just jump right up, right away. Look what happened in verse 35. Back to the story, verse 35. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room. Then he got on the bed and stretched out upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. He, it took perseverance. It didn't just happen immediately. It reminds me of what happened with the apostles in Mark chapter 9 with the demon-possessed boy. And they couldn't cast the demon out. And, and G, they said, Jesus, Jesus came and cast it right out. And they said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And he said, because it takes prayer. This kind come, can come out only by prayer. It's that perseverance that we have to persevere. Will we persevere in prayer. Who are we sharing Jesus Christ with our, as we're sharing our faith and, and sharing the gospel, how Jesus died for our sins and we can put our faith in him? Are we sharing that? 
Are we looking for hopeful signs as we share, as we cast out these little hooks and, and try to, to see if people are open and, and someone starts to respond, oh, it's getting warmer, just like you're getting warmer. You know, we start to see that I'm getting warmer. It's time to share more about the gospel. Will we persevere when we're trying to help someone break a stronghold in their life? It's not going to just happen the first time. It's it's a process. We're going to have to, you know, go back at it again. And 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 we're going to help them break that stronghold even when it's messy. Look what the kid did. He sneezed 7 times. If this was a coronavirus time, they would have cleared the room, right? But but that's that's a really a picture. It's going to be messy. It's going to be messy when we're trying to help someone break strongholds. We're going to have to risk risk something. Do we know the resurrection power? Of Jesus Christ. Do we know that power in our life and in our ministry? Our job is to show the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our life. And, and that so that no matter what is thrown at us, no matter what life throws at us, we can still show people the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We can fulfill his purpose for that trial, showing them that power. One story I want to share, and I'm going to ask uh Sarah to come up now and uh, and talk to me about this. So you can get into the picture, get your microphone on. And Sarah is our sixth child out of 13 kids. And she also loves sports. She was a very gifted athlete. And I'm not saying this to brag, but to understand exactly what happened to her, I want to tell the story. She was a in high school, she was all-state in two different sports, in softball and in field hockey. She was also very good at basketball, and that's what she loved the most. Uh, and so she decided to play basketball in college. And I said, well, Sarah, where do you want to play? And she said, well, I want to play in a Christian college. I want to play a higher level of competition, and I want to be within an hour and a half of home so I can still see the family in, in Little Laurel. So we drew a, took, looked at the map, and we drew a circle and looked, and there was only one college that fit that criteria. That was Nyack. So we contacted Nyack and, and God opened the doors and the rest is history. Uh, so she ended up going to Nyack all excited about playing basketball. But something happened the first year. What, what happened to you in that first year? Um, I started, my legs started to feel weird and the doctor didn't know what was... Well, we went to see the doctor and the doctor didn't really know what was wrong with me. And that went on for like six months to the point where I, like, I couldn't walk without arm crutches anymore. So, okay, so you, you start out playing in the season, and yeah. then you're, you started the first five games, and it was going great, but then your legs started giving out, and, and you had trouble, and um, you, you, couldn't even, you couldn't even walk, which we'll hopefully be able to show a little video in this of that. Yeah, I couldn't walk anymore. You had to use the arm crutches, and we finally found a doctor. Yeah, he diagnosed me, and then I started treatment after a month of being diagnosed. And then after a few more months, I started to gain more ability in my legs. And I was able to learn how to walk again and run eventually. Okay, but at first it looked bad. It looked like we weren't sure you were ever going to walk again. Yeah, yeah, we it, didn't know. It was very scary whether you could walk again. And uh, we just hoped you could walk again, but you were determined to still play basketball again someday. And you were praying that way and worked very hard. Mm -hmm. what, what happened with that? Um, a lot of people were worried about it, but I wasn't really worried. I could tell everybody else was worried. I was not worried about it. Yeah, you believe God was going to let you play again. Yeah, I think he gave me a piece about the situation. Like, I wasn't too, like, frazzled or I don't know what word to say. But, yeah. 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 
And the impossible happened. We'll just start with this. The impossible happened. You made it back for the first game of the next season, mm-hmm. but you had to wear braces. Yeah, I, put, I had to wear braces that went up to almost my knee on both legs. It looks kind of funny, but they helped me so much more than people could actually tell. Yeah, and it was it was a miracle season. You made it through the whole season. It was crazy. Yeah, no, my trainer didn't even think I would make it through a few games, but I made it through the whole season without having to miss any games, which I was really excited about. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just missed a couple games when your braces broke at one time, but you yeah. didn't miss any because oh, of... Oh, I didn't miss any because yeah. of my ability, yeah. Yeah, it just was a, just a yeah. crazy miracle that you even made it. Now, what would have happened if you couldn't have played again or, or you couldn't even have walked again? What would What would have happened then? Well, like I said, I had a piece about it, so either way, I felt like I was going to be fine. Even if I couldn't play anymore, God was telling me I was going to be fine. Yeah. And even if you couldn't walk, you still had a piece. Yeah, I still was fine about it. You still had a piece about that. And what what do you feel like you learned from this? I think I learned patience and to not rely so much on myself and my abilities and more rely on God in the situations I'm in because... I'll be in tougher situations or just as tough situations coming up probably in my life. This has helped me to stay calm and realize who's in charge. That's great. And how about, how have you seen God use this to impact other people? Well, I've seen it impact my teammates, my coaches, people in my league, my my school and my family. I feel like it's impacted all of us. Mm-hmm. i like to see what God can do with me. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Sarah. She did this under duress. I had to really (laughs) press her on this. So thank you, Sarah. And uh, and we're hopefully going to have the videos attached, you know, be watching the videos and also maybe some articles attached to the podcast that you can read about this. We prayed many desperate prayers of faith on many different nights. I just remember just, God, please heal Sarah. Late into the night, just couldn't sleep, just agonizing what was going on. This, this poor girl went from being able to do everything to being able to do nothing. It was, it was so hard. But like the Shunammite, we brought, each of us brought that pain to the feet of Jesus. And we prayed in faith and brought that pain to the feet of Jesus. And, and, but we also, and I remember reaching the place of surrender. Just like the Shunammite put that boy on that bed, she surrendered. Remember we talked about that last week? We have to remember that we have to reach the place of surrender in our prayers. We're praying in faith, but it's always a surrendered prayer. God, what is your purpose? What will bring you glory? And I knew I, I had to work through that, that fear and, and being upset every day, working through that, that prayer. It was a daily process, working from freaking out to faith to to that hope and believing in prayer, but yet all the time that surrender. God, what is your purpose? What will glorify you? And we saw it, Jesus Christ's resurrection power in Sarah's life. We saw it. She not only walked, but she ran. She She ran. But even when she couldn't walk, and even if she never walked, we, and even if she could have never walked, even if that did happen, we still saw Jesus Christ's resurrection power in her life. People always said, Sarah's just glowing. Here she is with these arm crutches, smiling, positive. Not just because she really believed God was going to raise her up again, which he did, but even if he didn't, she had a peace. She believed God had a purpose for this. And this is what we've talked about many times, how... Our suffering 
and Jesus Christ's resurrection power are closely connected. Philippians 3, 9 and 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And we usually stop right there, but and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Jesus' power, resurrection power, and suffering, and even death are closely connected. When we live out the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in and through our suffering, when we live out that resurrection power in and through our suffering, we show the world Jesus' power. We are showing them visibly here and now, what what happened 2,000 years ago. The resurrection power is still for today. And even if we die, even if we die, we still experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Even if we die. Where did that little boy go? He dies. He's gone for a couple days there, right? Where did he go when he died? Was he gone? No, he was in Abraham's bosom. That's where all believers went before Jesus' death and resurrection. He Now, after we die, we go right into, with Jesus. Today, you, remember what he said to the thief? Today you will be with me in paradise. We go right to be with Jesus. But he, that little boy was alive for those three days. His resurrection proved it. He, his resurrection was a prophetic picture of the ultimate resurrection which was the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which proved he was the Son of God and proved that he has the power, the resurrection power, to save us, to save us, to to forgive our sins, to, to give us a brand new life and to resurrect us spiritually and to resurrect us someday when we die physically. He's going to resurrect us. How do we know that? Because he proved it. That look, the two boys were resurrected. Jesus resurrected other people. Lazarus was resurrected. But then Jesus said, I'm going to die three days later. I'm going to rise again. And he did it. He proved that he has the power to resurrect us spiritually and physically. Remember what he said to uh, with, with Lazarus? John 11, John 11, 25. Jesus said to her, talking to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. We, that, we, that is proven to us by the resurrection, not just of Lazarus, but Jesus' resurrection. We know he's going to bring us back again, even if we die. Even if we die. John 14, John 14, 1 to 4, when Jesus says the great comforting passage for every one of us, do not let your hearts be troubled, verse 1. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way to God the Father that is through Jesus Christ. But the comfort is once we put our faith in Jesus and we, we follow him, we know where we're going. We know that we are going to have life again someday. 
Do you know that? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Have there ever been a time in your life where you said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead to prove you are the Son of God and that you can forgive my sin and can give me life. I put my faith in you. I repent of my old life. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in you. I give my life to you. The moment we do that, we receive Life, life that starts here on this earth and goes out through all of eternity. And that's why we can't lose. As Christians, we can't lose. That's why I said win-win, our victory in Jesus. We can't lose. It's impossible unless we give up. Unless we take our eyes off of Jesus, like Peter did, remember, in the waves, to start looking at the waves instead of Jesus. What happened? Sink, sank, sunk, right? That we can't lose unless we take our eyes off of Jesus. Think of the coronavirus crisis. We, we don't have to panic. The world is panicking. They are completely immersed in fear. We don't have to panic because we know God can and will protect us with his resurrection power. We're under the blood of Jesus. We are protected by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He will protect us unless, unless, and this is key, he wants us to suffer with it. God may want us to get the virus, but then he will sustain us through his mercy and grace. So that we can be a witness. You heard Sarah's testimony. So that we can be a witness to other people. He may allow it for his purpose. He may allow that. Unless he wants to bring us home. <laughs> unless he wants to bring us home to heaven. He wants us to die so that we can live again. He wants to bring us to heaven. But then once again, his resurrection power doesn't leave us dead. He's going to raise us up and give us a brand new body that can never die, never suffer again. We can't lose. It's a win-win. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Whether God protects us, whether he gives us supernatural strength in the suffering that we're going through, or he raises us from the dead, it's still a win-win. When? I'm going to say that again. Unless, uh, whether God protects us from getting the virus or anything else, whether he gives us supernatural strength to go through suffering, whatever that might be, or whether he brings us home, he raises us from the dead again, we still win-win. It's a win-win. I have a tombstone already. When our son Ryan died, Kim and I got a tombstone. We got a family plot there. And his wife, Ryan and his wife, have are on the stone there also. But on, we already have a plot. We have a place where lots of different family members can be buried. And on that stone, we put Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. But to die is gain. It's a win-win. Whether we're here living for Christ or whether we've died and we're alive with Christ, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. That's why I said the title. Win-win. We Victory in Jesus. We can't lose. Whether we're healed, whether we suffer, whether we die, we still win. How about you? As a Christian, are we living out the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our life. Every day, no matter what we're facing, whatever we're facing, are we living that out? 
Are we living by faith or fear? With this coronavirus or any other gut punch, are we living out the victory, the, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? People are getting crazy out there with fear, but we shouldn't be one of them. They're terrified, but we shouldn't be one of them. I'm not saying we should be foolish or arrogant. No, we trust God, but we still wear a seatbelt. We trust God, but we still lock our doors. We trust God, but we still follow whatever the government is telling us to how to be careful. We should be doing that, right? But we shouldn't be crazy with fear. Losing it like so many other people. This Easter, especially, this Resurrection Sunday, especially, we should, more than any others, this is our chance to live out the resurrection power, the reality of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. People should see a difference in us. They should see the peace. They should see the joy. They should see our faith being lived out. And maybe you're here today and you're listening or watching this, and but you have never, you don't know what I'm talking about. You have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're not living out the win-win. You're not living out victory in Jesus. No, you are a loser. That's right. If you don't have Jesus, you are a loser. You, you, you are going to lose in this life and the next life. But you don't have to stay a loser. Wait, till I, let me finish this. Look, look at, you're a loser though. There's nothing you can depend on. Look at the Shunammite woman. She was wealthy. She had it all. But that wealth didn't save her. It couldn't help her. Your money, our wealth, all the things that we have aren't going to help us in this coronavirus crisis, this pandemic. This panic, it can't help us. No, only her faith saved her and her son. Only our faith in God, specifically his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we can survive any trial, any struggle, uh, that we can be a, a winner in this life and the next life. You might be lost today. I was kidding about the loser thing, but, but you might be lost today. You could be lost, you might be lost here on this life right now and lost for all of eternity, but you can change your life and your eternity right now by faith. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection power. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith, God gave his, loved us so much, he gave his one and only son to die on a cross in our place, to rise from the dead to prove he was the son of God, that if we will put our faith in him, we will receive eternal life. And eternal life doesn't start someday when you go up to heaven. It starts this moment you put your faith in Jesus. That new life starts this very Second, do you have that life? Do you have that life? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you're listening or watching this right this moment and you realize that you don't have life that you are lost. This life you're lost and the next life you're lost. But you can change your eternity by putting your faith in Jesus. A simple prayer of faith which will have amazing results. A new life in Jesus. The Holy Spirit living inside of you giving you an amazing peace and guidance 
no matter what you're facing, you can have that this very moment by faith. The simple prayer of faith, God, please forgive me. 